Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Whether you want to smash pumpkins, smile politely, whatever it is, you can do it wherever you want when you change your virtual location with just one click with nordvpn.com slash Fightful. The fastest VPN in the world, available on all devices, easier than ever to get. You get that same great deal. You get an additional month free, and a 30-day money-back guarantee in case you didn't like it. And now they've even broken it down into multiple tiers where you can get exactly what you want. The first tier has just that VPN to change your virtual location, avoid the geo-blocking, access more content, browse safely and securely. One step up, you get a pass as well. One step up beyond that, you get a locker. But even beyond that, that threat protection, block online trackers, Block hackers, block malware, block those annoying pop-up ads as well. Man, I'm I'm so excited I can barely talk. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful here with the name you know. We're talking NWA 74, August 27th, 28th in St. Louis, Missouri. We got Billy Corgan here. Billy, how you doing? I'm good. You know, um, full disclosure, you know, I live in Highland Park, Illinois, where we had that horrible mass shooting on July 4th. And um, so I'm kind of in the middle of trying to put together a benefit concert for the local community. And so it's been a crazy, stressful time. My tea house, I own a tea house north of Chicago, was about a block away from the shooting. So um, not to not to start on a downer because sure. it was a sad thing here. But uh yeah, so it's, that's been a crazy, crazy thing. So I feel like I got to kind of acknowledge that before we talk about the fun stuff with wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Send our love to to all the the victims and, and those affected, because I mean that's that's it's a horrible reality that we that we live in. But I, I appreciate that you're, you're doing things to to kind of help those that that need it. And uh, sometimes that escape can be pro wrestling, and we are going to talk uh, plenty about that. But as we're here, NWA marching towards NWA seventy four. When you have these types of shows, like like what what is your your goal? Like what what is the main thing that you want to accomplish when when all is said and done? Well, for us, the the anniversary shows have become our sort of signature show. 
anniversary shows, which is fantastic. We hadn't seen wrestling there in 37 years, and luckily they allowed the NWA to bring it back there. So this will be our second year in the chase with so much history. So, yeah, you really look to kind of peek everything out and really kind of set the agenda for where you're going into into the new uh, year. So as as we have seen, like some of these the, the two day pay-per-view scenarios have, have popped up and the, the two day shows, what has motivated you to do that as opposed to the traditional one night method? Well, I think it's a combination. Get attention in this. Uh, wrestling ecosystem, um, even you see with what's going on with the uh, Ric Flair's last match, um, you know, there's a lot going on there to, to garner attention, as, as they should, you know, because at the end of the day, there is what we would call the people in the wrestling bubble, which I would put you and me in that bubble. You know, we kind of know what's going on at a daily level. But for most people, uh, past the, you know, the, the, the millions that are watching AEW and uh, WWE, you know, it takes something that sort of pops through to the other side to get them to pay attention. Um, and we have different models now. Uh, you know, one model would be what I would call the Triller model, where they, you know, brought Mike Tyson out of retirement, done an exhibition, stuff like that. Uh, another model, which I think is very successful and cool, is what Game Changer is doing, where they're 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 kind of building, you know, what I would call supercards. Uh, in our in our thinking, uh, a two day pay per view, which we now have two. We have Crockett Cup, um, which was a two day event, and then seventy four, and the anniversary shows will always be two day events. It's really a chance to lay out for the general public. Um, who we are as a company, why we're different, and why the NWA sort of not only represents a particular form of tradition, but we also represent a different take, again, in a very crowded wrestling ecosystem. And so the two-day event really allows us to, to get that message across in, in a way that I don't think a single-day pay-per-view does. And because of the adjustments in, in the way that you all take TV and really everything that changed during the pandemic, has, has that made it easier for a two-day pay-per-view to become a, or a two-night pay-per-view to become a reality? Because there were several adjustments that had to be made there. I don't know. I think it's difficult no matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I'm, I'm not crying poor. I, I, I love being in the, in, the, in the business side of professional wrestling. Um, and, you know, not everybody knows that, I, that I'm a musician, but most people do. And, you know, I have a very busy uh, career on the, on the rock side, but it's given me a lot of experiences in, in sort of, let's call it, penetrating uh, the mainstream culture. For example, um, and let's talk about rock and roll for a second. Uh, I can do a lot of things, a lot of cool stuff. When you're on Howard Stern or Joe Rogan, everybody hears it or sees sure. it. It's, it's, it's just crazy the difference. You know, and I'm appreciative of any opportunity. But, you know, when you get on those all other levels of platforms uh, and, and even, you know, Howard Stern at this point is, is bigger than maybe even being on a late night uh, TV show like Colbert or Fallon, which is crazy. Um, and so, again, I'm very conscious of, of how do we create a wrestling product that does at different times penetrate to that greater crowd, because I think that's a really good testing point for whether or not the NWA has a future. Uh, I've been very vocal about wanting the NWA to be kind of a more of a mainstream product and, and less niche driven. I think within the wrestling bubble, and I mean this in a very respectful way, there's a lot of energy generated by a lot of cool stuff that happens, but you see where it does not cross over into mainstream culture. And as somebody who has existed and thrived and also gotten killed at different times by mainstream culture, I'm very conscious of that being sort of the bar that you set. Um, in essence, can you penetrate mainstream culture and reach people where they where they are as opposed to be relying on a crowd that is paying a lot of attention to wrestling on a daily level 
you mentioned uh, mainstream culture. You had posted a picture. I, the CBS logo was in the background. Was that related to wrestling? Was it related to something else? Uh, I, I just remember that maybe a few months ago even. I think I was there doing a television show. Maybe it was doing uh, James Corden. Okay. So, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've had a lot of those meetings. I tend not to be <laughs> – I don't want to point any fingers, but I can think of some of my, my current contemporaries where every time they do anything, there's a headline and a press release. Uh, I, I hope someone like you uh, have, has noticed that I'm not that guy. I'm not running out there with every little bit of news. I try to really – kind of pick our spots so if you, if you want to start th- by all means <laughs> let's put it this way uh you know the 27 times that i talked to wwe in the last four years i didn't run and tell somebody about it which is why pretty much nobody ever, ever heard about those meetings that i had i mean uh at some point it all went cold and it didn't happen but yeah i wasn't running around telling everyone oh by the way we're gonna do this thing we're gonna do this thing i just i just don't believe that's the, the right way to do business so what is 27 hyperbole or is that like an actual number? Because I know that you all have talked before. Like I had heard that, but like I, I didn't know to what degree or what extent. 27 is about right. Yeah, no, there was a lot of talk about being on the network at some point. Yeah. Um, obviously, their plans with the network have changed a lot and they made different deals like with Peacock, right? Um, no, but it, this was before when they were still self-contained and they were looking at different things that they could do. Obviously, they, they worked with Gabe Sapolsky on Evolve and stuff like that. And so I was in kind of a different modality where maybe we would be able to access the library um, and somehow combine sort of their history and WA history and sort of present wrestling in a different way. Again, to maximize maybe assets that they're sitting on that they don't spend a lot of time uh, putting focus on. And through something like the NWA, maybe we create a bone not only be good for the NWA, but also for them. Uh, they were in- definitely interested in that. It just never kind of got off the ground. Uh, I always felt like it got up to a certain level of, of, of management and, and whoever's desk it fell upon. I don't, I don't necessarily assume it got to Vince's desk, but it, 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 it seemed to get killed every time it got to somebody's desk. Have you had any conversations with Vince McMahon specifically? No, no, I wish. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Vince and, and, and the entire McMahon family has always been great with me. Uh, when I was just coming around as a fan and, and ever since I've been in the, the business side. Um, so I have nothing but good things to say about them. Trust me. I would love to have a meeting with Vince. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's well understood, you know, sometimes that, uh, you know, what, what goes on with, let's call it mid-level WWE management doesn't always necessarily reach this, his desk. And maybe that's, there's a reason for that. And, you know, he's running a billion dollar company, but uh, I would certainly love an audience with any of the McMahon's uh, as it pertains to the NWA. But, uh, you know, we're really not focused there. They've obviously gone in the direction they've gone, and they don't seem as invested in other companies as maybe they, they were there for a hot second. And so I just assumed that nothing would come of it anyway, but certainly I would take the call if somebody wanted to talk to me because I have tons of respect for what they've built. And as I always like to say, wrestling promoter has ever made money, and, and his name is Vince McMahon. So in addition to WWE, I mean, NWA has maintained pretty good relationships with a lot of companies. We've seen, like, the the impact relationship pick up a little bit and at one point it looked like that would never ever happen you know what i mean so i mean that that maybe surprises people how did that bridge sort of get rebuilt are you talking about between wwe and other companies or, or between nwa and, and other companies like i mean at, at oh, one, right yeah because i mean it, there have been points obviously based on history where it looked like <laughs> that would never happen again 
Um, you know, uh, speaking impact, I have to give a lot of credit to Scott Moore. Scott Moore has been a very good partner to us lately. And, and yes, there were issues, and uh, we were able to kind of put those to the past. Uh, my interest is of whatever's best for the NWA. And um, there's no feel different times. Uh, and I'm very happy that we're in a good place now. I, I, I you know, it, let's not forget, I tried to buy Impact Wrestling before sure. um, the Asper family bought it. Uh, I thought there was a lot of value there, and it, there continues to be. That wasn't a that wasn't a mistake that I tried to buy the company. Now, how how insolvent the company was, how much debt they were carrying, well, that's that's a that's a story for a book, right? But the point was, is fairground circa 2002, uh, in the very early days when they were running on pay per view only. Um, so I was certainly aware of the product, what was good about the product, what was not so good about the product. Uh, intimately involved, obviously, with Dixie Carter as a friend first, and then ultimately a, a business partner. Uh, and, and our and our squabbles were pretty pretty public there. So happy to kind of move past that all. And and look, what I like to say is I really believe professional wrestling, and I like to differentiate it at this point. So let's call it non WWE because I don't see WWE wanting to really play with anybody else in the market at this point. So else that's on the table and we of course we just saw it with new, new japan and AEW. i think there's so much business there to be done not only from the business side but business to be done where fans can get satisfactory uh, dream matchups um you know i'll make a case here for for nick aldis nick aldis has certainly proven over the last four years that he he belongs in the top tier of of, of competitors not in the wwe and there's so much great business out there that nick could do with different entities and i really think that fans want uh, companies move past particular politics and put those together, even if it's a once-a-year type of event. Uh, we saw that a lot with NWA and Power. Are there any plans to do that again in the future? Because, I mean, I, I loved how man, that, that brought not just current promotions together, but a lot of people who hadn't been on screen in a while uh, back on screen. Yeah, I love that stuff. Unfortunately, not everybody loves it as much. Um, I get it. It's it's a business always about leverage, um, whether it's a talent, whether it's a company, and uh, people like to kind of throw their elbows around depending on what's happening. That's totally fine. That part doesn't bother me. Um, I just am not in the position of going and begging. Um, sure. And certainly there have been times in the past couple of years where people put me in a position of begging. And, you know, uh, and I say this, <laughs> I, I'm going to try to say this without sounding like I'm cutting a promo, but when I'm the most famous person in the room, it's a little funny when I'm supposed to kind of grovel. I don't, I don't really think like that. And, and I, because I'm not a person who throws my weight around, I don't necessarily need people to throw their weight around with me. I like to think of us as partners in a particular moment until we find good partnership. And so when I feel that people have been good partners, like Scott Demore has been a good partner recently, I love it. I'm more than happy to try to bend over backwards and give Scott what he would need from our end of the street, and hopefully he can do the same. Uh, unfortunately, that's not always been the case with everybody, and that's totally fine. I, I, I don't, again, I don't have a problem with it personally, but it does get a little weird sometimes when it's like this kind of like uh, who's got the bigger dog on the block type of stuff. I, I just don't see business that way. I think, I think ultimately you want to make the best show for the fans. So, I mean, uh, obviously there was a situation last year where Tony Khan had indicated that that he wanted it to be 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply known that he paid for a couple of his the, the AEW talent to be there had you talked to him after that or or anything or was that just kind of like well sucks that that was a miscommunication uh it wasn't a miscommunication uh tony has my number and honestly i would have preferred that he reached out privately on that if he had any uh, issue with it the fact that he went public with something um and the other part of the equation was he talked about stuff without giving the other end of the equation and the other end of the equation i've never talked about publicly so it would be like if I, um, if I, if if you went, let's let's pretend me and you were having a little bit of an issue, and you went public and say, hey, I, uh, Billy should thank me for driving that car that he's driving because I paid for the tires, right? Yeah. So people might go, oh, well, yeah, Billy should thank him. If oh, you the other end of the deal <laughs> that was made, well, that does sound like it, it is kind of a one-way street, but that's not the deal that we made. So I've never talked about the other end of the deal. I don't think I should talk about the other end of the deal, sure. but let's put it this way. There was another end of the deal that he, he conveniently didn't mention. I don't have any issue with Tony. I think Tony's done a tremendous job. Um, Tony's made it easier for me to operate in wrestling. When I go into business meetings with networks and talk to them, they look at AEW's success as a indication that the market is shifting, that WWE doesn't control the market like they did for 20 years. So I can only thank Tony for for me on on the other end of the spectrum i remember a couple of years ago zicky dice left on what he would have said weren't wonderful terms but then he told me i think it was whenever he did his show that you welcomed him backstage you you brought him back and you were very friendly to him like when when a situation like that unfolds and maybe the the, the departure isn't as wonderful as you'd like like how how do you go about repairing that or is it just the time heals all wounds type of thing I think that's difficult because um, let's take Zicky, for example, super talented, super talented. I, I saw Zicky cut a promo uh, at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I would just happen to be there for a show. I went up to him after the promo and I said, I want you on NWA Power. So, you know, in essence, I it sounds uh, not the way I want it to sound, but I, I picked Zicky out of out of a crew of people. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. my choice to, to want Zicky in, in, in the NWA. So we always had that thing where he knew that I'd wanted him there, that it was my call. So, and, uh, you know, title on him and, uh, and certainly gave him plenty of uh, rope to, to, to do what he's his mouth and wrestle, right? Very talented guy. Uh, when things didn't work out behind the scenes and then he went public, I, I just think that that stuff's really not for, for the public uh, uh to be a part of i just don't think that's good business right i don't think that was good for zicky and i don't think it was good for the nwa um additionally and here's where it gets difficult um i have to be very careful because of who i am in the world if i send a text or i send an email and somebody decides to put that out into the world as this happened with my man and and if anybody wants to look that up enjoy that promo um right you're suddenly in this weird situation where my celebrity amplifies something that which is actually not a big deal does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's the now the, now it's a now now uh, you know, effect. Yes, 
so and so blasts Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan fires back. I'm kind of in this weird position where I can't really do what I would do. You know what I mean? Because because anything I do will be we will be viewed under a different microscope because of celebrity, not necessarily because of whether or not my response was right or wrong or fair or judicious. So um, I think what's great uh, is you know we have Pat Kenny. You know everybody knows the Simon Diamond from his time in ECW and WWF or E, whenever it was at the time. And uh, Pat's fantastic with talent relations. And I think since Pat's come on board, a lot of that stuff has really calmed down because I think the boys feel they have somebody who not only understands them, but is what is one of them. And 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 look, I, I'm I'm, you know, you can do you want, you know, uh, you know, I run this company, but I don't consider myself one of the talents. You know, I'm a talent in my music life, but I'm definitely not a talent in the locker room. And um, you know, the, the, there are those lines there that exist between the office and talent. And, and, and I think over time, it's best that those lines are kept kind of clean as possible. So in Zicky's case, yeah, I got a little dumb and a little personal, but we worked it out. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to coming back to the NWA when it feels right. And the fact is with impact, of course, opens that door because uh, there might be something there where we can do something with Scott and, and Zicky. So I look forward to that because certainly a talented guy. So you mentioned uh, your rock career, and oftentimes we've, we've heard your music being integrated into shows. How easy or difficult is that to make it a reality? Because I think a lot of people might just assume it's you're like, well, he, he's the front man for Smashing Pumpkins. He can pretty much just say, yes, that's good, or, or no, you can't. Is it that easy? Like, What other kind of hoops do you have to jump through to make that a reality? Like, Say if you wanted to use... Uh, a, a popular song on any wrestling show. Are you talking about my music or somebody else's music? Your music specifically, or maybe even collectively, collaboratively that you've done? Like, are, are there like additional steps that you have to go through that maybe people wouldn't even realize? Uh, if it's my music, I, I tend to own it. And so it's usually not a problem. Uh, if it was a collaboration, like say I wrote a song with somebody else, then you have to jump through their hoops too. And, and sometimes that gets complicated. Um, it's it's a lot more complicated to license music than than you would think. Uh, I, I I'm reminded of a story uh, when Tommy Dreamer went to uh, to WWE. You know they they didn't want to pay to get a man of the box for him. So t- Tommy came to me and said, "Can you call Allison Chains and see if there's something you can do?" <laughs> and uh, and because I knew the guys in Allison Chains, they were very agreeable to the whole thing. But once it got to management, that was the, that was the death of that. That's for somebody amount of money and of course WWE was never going to pay which is how Tommy ended up with something kind of not man in the box man in the, uh, the yeah. shelf or something <laughs> it was kind of like man in the box but it wasn't really man in the box so like sorry you cut out there for for a bit but oh. uh it's okay um how often do you have talent that are like hey I, I would really love to use this song of yours because I mean that that sort of is a unique ability that they have, but I mean, you might have a wrestler that just happens to be like this mad smashing pumpkins fan, but you also have to be protective of, well, do I see that song for you necessarily? Have you had that yet? Uh, a few times, actually recently, the uh, NWA champion, Trevor Murdoch came and he wanted to use this really obscure B side from the smashing pumpkins. Like you have to be a super fan to know the song. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I love that song. And I was like, okay. So that's his new entrance theme. So I was cool with that. Um, yeah, but generally most people don't ask, I think probably because they're, they're worried about maybe trying to kind of butter me up or something. I don't know. Sure. It hasn't happened that much. 
Sure. I mean, that's that's aspects always been fascinating to me because I'll hear about how like AEW will per- they had to par- purchase an entire library to gain access to the Hardy Boys theme, and just the licensing aspect and the politics that goes in and around that is is such a fascinating thing because that's not something that I hear about every day. Yeah, and especially now with AI, not as simple as it used to be. Let's all remember that Paul Heyman used to rip off everybody's yes. songs gleefully, including my own. Uh, we all remember him using Bodies Hit the Floor and Limp Bizkit and all that stuff. In fact, I remember watching ECW nights some, somewhere on the Sunshine Network, and my jaw hit the floor thinking, how the hell did he get my song, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I went to somebody, I think it was Lou D'Angeli in the company, and I said, how is he doing all this? And they're like, oh, he's not paying anybody. <laughs> he's just doing it. Now you couldn't do it because YouTube would you would get a strike on your YouTube channel or some AI system would shut you down. So, no, you have to really go through the official channels now. And there's even instances where um, I will use my own music on, like, let's say, for my tea house or something related to something in my world, WA, and, and I'll get a strike on stuff because it's not cleared with all this kind of AI systems that they use on YouTube and Instagram now. Oh, WWE would send me clips of SmackDown, and ACDC would immediately clock it, like, immediately. But, like, even as of, like, seven years ago, I remember there was a company, Paragon Pro Wrestling, that were using Gangrel's WWE theme. They were using uh, Victoria Tara's uh, tattoo theme, and they used it on DirecTV. It was before Impact went over to Pop. And I was like, how are you all doing this? And it's just... They didn't care. Did you ever have a conversation with Paul Heyman about the fact that he used your music like that? Uh, no, I, I can't remember why I didn't have a conversation. I think I was just like, oh, just kind of let it be. Yeah. You know, um, I, I felt lucky at that point to be kind of included. Um, I was very new to the, let's call it the behind the scenes part of the business. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and, and I didn't even realize how strange it was probably to have me standing there in that locker room especially at that time circa 99 2000 2001 considering who was in that locker room and of course who i now know and hearing their reactions including i think bubba once told me he wanted to punch me in the face <laughs> uh, uh, you know you know i can't do the bubba impression i, I wanted to punch you in the face um so, you know, not realizing the sanctity of the locker room and how, you know, it's not as simple as, hey, you know, come hang out. Because growing up in rock and roll, you know, t- when you're invited into somebody's dressing room, it's like, hey, come hang out in the living room, right? It's kind of like a, it's a vibe. I didn't realize that uh, wrestling locker rooms did not work that way. I just saw it as just another dressing room. I didn't realize it was sort of like a level of protocol, right? So um, I am amazed that I was sort of around and I enjoyed my times and I learned a lot and, and, and probably a lot of what inspired me ultimately to take over something like the NWA goes back to those experiences of just being a fan. You know, I grew up watching great wrestling on television, never went to a show until I think 1999 uh, when I was, I guess, about 30 something years old. I never had been to a, a live wrestling event because I, I grew up basically poor and nobody would have taken me even if I had the money to go. So my first experience of a wrestling event was standing backstage and talking to Stone Cold Steve Austin, China, <laughs> Triple H, yeah. uh, uh, The Rock, and, uh, and Mick Foley. Okay, that's not a bad debut as a fan, right? But the, you know, my, the next event I went to was an ECW event at the Odeon in Chicago. Um, it was the night that I think Taz was leaving, and Mike Austin came in and beat him in like a hot minute. It was just, I didn't understand what I was watching, but of course I enjoyed it. So those first experiences and meeting people behind the scenes and getting a real sense of the passion of 
professional wrestling fans and how great the live events can be. I mean, it has a lot to do with why I'm still here. So uh, NWA 74 coming up. I mean, I know that you all had some unfortunate stuff thrown your way. Matt Cardona got hurt. Uh, and he's man, that guy has created buzz everywhere he's been. Like he he's so good at reinventing himself. Can you explain maybe the thought process when you first hear that Cardona's hurt? Because obviously it, that that's not optimal for the plans that you all had. Yeah, you know it's funny. I tend to not worry too much about injury uh, to the extent of what it's going to do to the company. You know, my first concern is, is he okay? Is everything going to be all right? You know, how serious is the injury? I tend to go more to the human side first. That's just how I am. Um, And I always think, look, it's wrestling. You can kind of figure it out as you go. But here's the thing that's really important. You know, as you're, as, as the dust is settling and okay, he tore his bicep and he's going to need surgery and stuff. Then you start going into the business side. Okay. Now what the heck are we going to do? Right. Can he fly? Can he be at the event? Does he even want to come? And, and look, there were people who questioned why I would want to bring, and I'm talking behind the scenes now, would, would want to bring in a Matt Cardone to the company. I, yeah. I had no hesitation. <laughs> I had zero hesitation. Okay, all you need to do is start here. He's married to Chelsea Green. I know Chelsea personally decently well from our time back in the TNA days. If, 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 she, if she endorses someone as a, as a man, as a person, and of course as now her husband, I know that person's a quality human being, and, and that has exactly been my experience with Matt Cardona, the person. Matt Cardona, the, the, the talent, the professional, <laughs> cuts, a, cuts a promo with his arm in a sling hours after surgery and holds up the title and says, I will be at the event. That's the man that I want to be in business with. So l- let me tell you, nobody has anything to say about Matt Cardona, the professional, since then, because that proved that he was all about business and all about helping the company that was was standing behind him as, as champion. So out of a very difficult circumstance, and I'm glad he's okay and he's recovering. I just talked to him the other day. I, I think he made the best of a situation. We tried to make the best out of the situation. But what really sticks out in my mind was that he was there. The fact that he got on a plane and he came to that event and he was there, that means everything to me. And I will never forget that. Yeah, I think he's he's just done a fantastic job. I mean, he could have very well just – rode the fame of being the former Zack Ryder and he didn't do that and he's he's creating buzz everywhere he goes I think it's fantastic if you don't mind me interjecting a little bit more I I think I think what I've tried to explain to some people in the company who don't get it I think Matt Cardona really represents the next generation of of, a professional wrestler who understands the value of their brand they they figure out their own way to get themselves over with the wrestling community uh, writ large and they bring that value into any company that they work with and, and in many ways, it's, it harkens back to the territorial system and wrestlers who were able to rotate around and get maximum value for who they were. So I think, I think really, in, in his own way, Matt Cardone has kind of shown the light on where professional wrestling is going uh, in, in, into the future. Um, I certainly have made the case on the rock and roll side that the, the, the value of my brand, you know, let's call it Billy Corgan in quotations, and, and the value of Smashing Pumpkins as a brand is far greater than the, than what was the past calculus of how they ascertain value in the music business. In the past, the music business was always down to how many ki- tickets can you sell and how many records can you sell. Now we see that there are, ver- there are people who are super successful that don't necessarily qualify within those normal ranks. And there are people who sell a ton of tickets that you don't even know who they are, which yeah. is really weird, right? Because I think you're old enough to remember the other world that we used to live in, right? 
Sure. So Matt, Matt Cardona is really showing that brand value is the ultimate value. And the fact that he can create buzz, he can create value. And then, by the way, he's a great professional wrestler. And you put those pieces together. That's why he's so valuable to a company like the NWA is he, 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 he's at his leisure to come and go. But we really are partners in that, right? My job is to get Matt Cardona over even more. His job is to help me get the NWA over into a new century. And he said that in his promos. And, and some people had a problem with what he was saying because they thought maybe on some level he was burying the company. I was like, no, he should criticize the company. The company's worth criticizing it. Why, why is the company above criticism? To me, that's old thinking, right? Like the company can't be criticized. We have to create kind of this environment where the company is sort of this, uh, this gold standard existing in its own oxygen. I don't think we live in that world anymore. Uh, your normal average sophisticated wrestling fan is well aware of what Tony's doing, what I'm doing, what Scott DeMore is doing, and, and by extension, what New Japan and, and what the McMahons are doing. We, I, I think it's silly to play this weird game where it's like, no, only this sandbox ex exists. Um, part of the NWA success, I think, is telling the story that we're rebuilding, that we have good days and bad days. And hopefully, as long as we have more good days than bad days, then wrestling fans will give us a chance to prove that we have a future. That's what's really valuable to me. And Matt Cardona absolutely, positively, 147% fits into that equation. And I think a, a nice indicator of that is, I mean, he, he's connected so much to the toy world, and that's really accelerated things for him, too. When he and Brian Myers talk about something on their show, the price of it goes up. Like, that's, it's kind of fascinating the way that works. Uh, this week, we learned that the NWA United States tag titles are coming back, and obviously Race the Chase is going on, too. But whenever you implement one of these things, like the United States tag titles, or you, you start a race to the chase, what is sort of your thought process behind those? Because, I mean, obviously, race to the chase, a tournament, makes a lot of sense. That, that's pretty common. But instituting or reinstating, uh, so, to say, so to speak, an entire set of tag titles, that's going to take an awful lot more thought. Well, you know, one of the things that's really worked for us over the last year is really building up the tag division. Um, I don't think I'm speaking out of school by suggesting that, you know, or, or certainly I've seen it talked about that WWE doesn't have as much faith in tags as they used to, right? Now, maybe that's just common, like, uh, let's call it low-level sort of belief, even if it's not true. I'm a person who believes that tag wrestling is super critical to uh, professional wrestling uh, as it pertains to veterans, as it pertains to younger talent that needs more ring work. Um, and so by bringing in uh, the U.S. titles, I think it allows us to uh, create more storyline narratives, create more aspirational goals for the people in the company. Um, and also because as our, our secondary show, USA, has gotten stronger uh, and we're expanding uh, USA probably in 2023, we needed more stories to tell. So it's a perfect way to, to, to kind of put all those pieces together and uh, keep expanding. So, And look, it's the, the great thing about the NWA is there's history for days. I mean, you can poke around and, and, and it's not just the U.S. titles. It's like there's the Florida version and the Detroit version. You can get into all sorts of history, and uh, there's different versions of the belts and stuff like that. So that's the fun part of the job. Um, so I'm very, I'm very excited to bring these back. Also, I mean, obviously, we've got uh, a, a lot of faces near the top of the card that, that weren't necessarily there a year or two ago because they had that extended Nick Aldis run. So we've seen Trevor Murdoch emerge. We've seen Matt Cardona emerge and a lot of people in between. Uh, what was the thought process behind ending Aldis's reign? Because he he seemed like he was NWA for a long time, and he very clearly is still a large part of it. 
You know, Nick has been very public about talking about business, and I think that's one of the great things about Nick as a, as a sort of uh, brain, mind, uh, perspective behind the scenes is, is, you know, his goal was never to make the NWA all about him. It was to rebuild the company. And certainly where he felt he was the person to, to best do that, um, he put himself in a position where he wanted to make that case, and he made it very strongly. Um, but certainly he came to me at some point and said, look, we need to start really figuring out um, you know, who else we need to develop and build here. And, um, and that's really opened things up. And, um, and, and I, I don't think Nick is comfortable with the idea that the NWA is his, his company. He, he blanches at the idea that he has any say in creative. He really doesn't. Um, I book all the shows exclusively. Um, but, you know, he kind of got a little bit of a rep maybe from, from some of the people thinking that he had more influence than he did. He, he really just wants to be a talent, and he really believes in the NWA, and he, he's obviously put his name out there with the NWA, and he's a huge part of why we've been able to rebuild. But what's great is, look, you know, uh, when, when people talk about, uh, you know, like it was a thrill for me to be in Manila once, and I played the same building where the thrill in Manila happened, right? Yeah. You know, when we talk about great rivalries, uh, you know, uh, one of the great fights I ever saw in UFC was uh, McGregor against uh, one of the Diaz brothers, right? Was yes. it Nate? Nate, yeah. It was funny because I, I just happened to be watching that night. I think Nate was like a last-second substitution. And right before the match came on, I turned to my partner and the mother of my children, and I said, Diaz just might win this thing. And she asked me, okay, <laughs> why? And I, and I said, because he's just crazy enough, and he's, and he's a great puncher, and I think he can go toe-to-toe with this guy. That, that was one of the great fights. So, again, wrestling, all about matchups, right? I mean, even if you looked at the, the announcement about Flair, there's a lot of speculation. Like, who was it going to be? Who's going to be in the match, right? It's all about matchups. So, Nick, Nick standing on a mountain by himself isn't very fun. You know what I mean? Now you look at who's in the, in the top of the heavyweight division in the NWA. Uh, Mike Knox, Trevor Murdoch, mm-hmm. uh, Tyrus, uh, Aaron Stevens, um, I, I might, uh, you know, who else am I forgetting? You know, we got a lot of guys. I, I, I loved it one time uh, Matt Taven of OGK came in the locker room and he pulled me aside and said, man, are you guys huge? <laughs> you know what I mean? I love it. You know, we're just, we're big. We're big and strong and mean, and that's what I want for the heavyweight division because I think that's ultimately what will draw fans to the NWA in the 21st century is we have to have really key big matchups and, and people have to have a, there has to be a level of believability to sure. what we're doing. And, and, and I think that's going to ultimately be the difference maker in the NWA going forward is, is we're going to be rougher and tougher than pretty much every other promotion out there. Uh, you mentioned Tyrus. That has been a point of criticism among some fans that, that he has went on this winning streak of people that might not like him, his politics, his work. Is, is there anything like maybe you can add to that? I know that that's just kind of vaguely setting up and essentially saying talk, but uh, I, I don't really know how to frame that necessarily. Yeah, I don't get into that, you know, because uh, to me that's just such a weird thing because um, I get some of that too, and I, I always just kind of scratch my head, you know. Um, it, there's, a, there's a longstanding thing in, in, in music, if you, if you allow me to go the other direction for a second. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, can you separate the singer and the song, right? Yeah. And we get it sometimes in wrestling. Can you separate the talent and and, and, and the person? Uh, in the case of Tyrus, uh, people need to understand that uh, he and I go back to TNA. Uh, you know, John Gaburik, uh, when he was running TNA, uh, one of my assignments is he would give me the people in the castle that he thought were difficult personalities. So who did he give me? He gave me Tyrus. He gave me Nick Aldis. 
He gave me James Storm. He gave me a few other people. I, I, I found working with all of them great. Um, I, all, all I found was that they needed to be heard and, and be given a fair chance to uh, be the talented people that they, they are. So my relationship with him goes back. So when you, when you get into a scenario where I'm supposed to listen to other people's opinion about a person that I know and have worked with for years and I know personally, I, I always defer to the person that I know. So I don't think there's anything to defend. If, if, if people can't separate those things in their own mind and they bring that into the wrestling product, well, that's their decision. They're the consumer. They can, as, they, as we say, they can vote with their feet. Um, uh, to me, I've dealt with that my whole music life, and I always think, okay, well, that's, that's your decision. I don't really know what to do with that. I think when you sell into that, you're opening the door into a lot of stuff that there's no sort of walking back from. In essence, who books this promotion, right? Who, who, decides, who decides who's featured? Who decides who gets hired? Who decides who stands there in the ring? Well, it's me. So ultimately, if you want to criticize me for those decisions, that's fine. But I've already thought all those things through. No one's going to tell me anything I don't already know is what I'm trying to say. Fair point. I, that's just a common criticism I've, I've often seen was just him in general. Maybe his, his in-ring obviously isn't what it, what it was in his prime. And uh, you know, he has been on, on quite the winning streak. But like, it, are there any talents that you're seeing coming up through NWA and you're like, man, that's somebody we can build around, that's someone we can anchor things to, or is that that's something you kind of see from, from a taping-to-taping basis? I think it's uh, what, what it should be. It should be like a jump ball, right? You should sort of create a scenario where everybody's moving in the same direction and you see who emerges. Um, let, let's talk about Tyrus one more beat, and it's not because I'm sort of responding to criticism, but I'd like to sure. take you behind the thinking a little bit. Tyrus is a person who, I guess going back to TNA time, what, seven years ago, six years ago, w- what was he doing? He was standing behind EC3 in the ring with his arms crossed where he was holding uh, one of the Hardy babies, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was Maxwell, right? Yeah. That's, that's what people saw at Tyrus. I, I thought he was undervalued and underbooked in TNA. I've certainly made that case in the office many times, and I was ignored. So I was put in a position, obviously, here in the NWA where I thought this person is talented, and that person in Tyrus uh, has proven his value. He's on one of the biggest networks in the world. He's on the, literally the biggest late night show three times a week, I believe is his current thing. That audience draws over 2 million people. Um, if people can't see past that because they get into other aspects of what the job entails or who they think he is as a person, I understand that, but we are talking about a business built on marketing. We are talking about a business built on ability and he is a super talented person. So, I understand where people come from, but all I know is he's done everything I've asked him to do in the ring uh, and exceeded in, in every aspect of the ring. So uh, every aspect of, 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 the, of, the, of the job, for lack of a better word. So that's all I know. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you, when you talk about younger people, it's the same thing. I give them an opportunity. I put them in positions. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting. You'll take a young talent. And I don't want to name any names because I don't want to bear anybody. But you take a young talent and you put him in there with a veteran like a Tom Latimer or, or a, a, a Trevor Murdoch or even, a, 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 you know, somebody like Dirty Dango, right? Or JTG, guys who have a lot of experience and, and know their way around the ring. And you go, oh, that's a pretty good match. That guy's got a future. Then you put two of those young guys or two of those young gals in a match 
against themselves and you go, oh, okay, this is, <laughs> this is the difference between a veteran and somebody who's green and needs to be carefully kind of nurtured along. So again, it's, it's, it's my responsibility to put them in positions of succeeding. So yeah, there are definitely talents that we're, we're high on. I think you can probably pick them out by the way sure. that they're booked, but that doesn't mean they're ready for a main event on an anniversary show, you know? Uh, one of my favorite parts about NWA over the last couple of years has been the reemergence of, of the Pope popping up on NWA programming. He had been out of the ring a lot more and, and serving as a commentator, but he always had sort of something special. And I think that most people that saw him perform saw that something special. Did it take any coaxing at all for him to become like more of an on-screen wrestler uh, than, than he had been the last few years? Well, again, this goes back to TNA. You know, Pope and I look, worked a lot together behind the scenes. And I got a little bit inside baseball from him somewhat and from other people in the company of why he didn't want to wrestle at the time. And the sense that I got was he didn't feel he was being properly valued as a wrestling talent. So he was more comfortable being a commentator because, in essence, he wasn't in the political scrum week after week. So coming into the NWA, I knew that was something or at least I felt that was something he was sensitive to. So I, I assured him, look, with me, you always have the best possible opportunity. And I think I've proven that over time. I've given him every opportunity. And he is one of a kind at connecting with people. And uh, nobody can light that place up uh, better than he can. Um, and, and I think when you see him succeeding at the highest levels, you can see why he's been frustrated by the business at different times, but also why he's been so undervalued. Uh, maybe because people don't necessarily understand the rhythm and the way he walks, meaning where he comes from as a person inside. And I think when you let him fly, using a really poor analogy, let him fly to, to the height that he can fly, well, then that's, that's what it should be. And that's what I try to do with anybody at the NWA. I try to give everybody that walks through that door the best possible opportunity. And again, uh, you know, looping back one more time, that's the whole point of what I'm trying to say about everybody on the roster. Um, I try to give everybody the best opportunity. I try to give them an unfettered um, uh, chance to, to reach their highest potential. And, you know, one thing we don't always talk about in this, in this country enough is that people need, you know, chances at redemption. People need opportunities. People need sometimes even a second chance. And I'm not saying that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to run a professional wrestling company, but that becomes part of the story. You know, not everybody is sort of um, falls into a perfect box. Um, and, and the NWA, I think, has done a really good job of taking people who are undervalued, underappreciated, and sometimes even overlooked. And I think if you look at the people who've come through our doors over the last few, four years and went on to bigger opportunities on bigger stages because the NWA was able to highlight what they're so good at, I think that really speaks to why the company operates the way it does. August 27th and 28th, St. Louis, Missouri at the Chase Ballroom. I know that we're, as we film this, we're a ways off, but if there were people on the fence about checking out NWA, whether it be the pay-per-view, whether it be just in a, in a general sense, what would you tell them? I would tell them that if you're a wrestling fan, um, you really should engage in why there are different wrestling companies doing different things. Wrestling, just like music, has its trendy moments. And we've seen a real movement in the last five, seven years towards uh, bigger, higher risk, uh, cruiserweight based, although not everybody doing it's a cruiserweight. Um, and that's fine. I'm, I'm as big a fan as anybody else. But traditionally, over time, wrestling is, has operated around heavyweights, just like the UFC, just like WWE does come WrestleMania season. 
Um, and I think that the NWA is outside of the WWE doing the best job of telling that type of traditional story. So if you're a wrestling fan and you do believe that that has a place in the business, I think you'll see the difference that the, the NWA has made in, in, in the past couple of years at sort of picking itself up off the ground literally from nothing. As, as, as Nick Aldis likes to say in the beginning, it was him and Tim Storm, right? Yeah. So we've gone from Nick Aldis and Tim Storm to I think the last time we were on set, we had, I think, 80 wrestling talents and 113 people total in the building. And we're now averaging 100 hours of television a year, doing two shows a week. And now I think we're at six pay-per-view dates per year, and we're, we're moving to more next year. So if you want to see that story in motion, I would encourage you to do it. It may not be your cup of tea, but I would say if you're a wrestling fan, if you don't appreciate why we're doing what we're doing, then I would say you're not a wrestling fan. You're a fan of a particular form of wrestling. I'm a wrestling fan. I, 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 I saw Dragon Gate when it was uh, floating around. You know, I, I was in early days TNA. I was going to ECW in its dying days. And, uh, you know, I was going to WWF house shows back. You know what I mean? It's the point is, is if you're a wrestling fan, you want all of it. I'm a rock and roll fan. I want all of it. So um, I'm not here to say the NWA is better than anybody. Uh, I'm here to say the NWA is just as good, particularly for the for the way we're operating at this point in time. Um, you know, remember, this is a completely independent operation. I'm 100 percent owner, completely 100 percent funded by me. It's a very unique situation. And uh, and I like to say, don't sleep on us, because when we get greater funding and when we get a greater opportunity i think you really see why i'm doing what i'm doing the tim storm thing man that that's probably what hooked me to nwa initially i did a feature on it as 10 pounds of gold was happening because quite honestly i knew tim storm as that guy who would come up on wikipedia when you would search who the nwa champion was and when he was brought in on 10 pounds of gold i'm like this guy and then a couple episode in i'm in love with this dude i think that he's he's the type of person that you want good things to happen to. And I thought that it's sort of the magic of, of what great storytelling and professional wrestling and emotions can do. Uh, I mean, obviously he's in the ring a lot less these days, but what was it like, like the first time that you met Tim? Cause from what I understand, he was one of a very few people that, that you all kind of met with and seemed genuine that were holdovers from the old NWA. Well, you know, it was interesting. Uh, you know, Tim Tim Storm was the the champion when I when I bought the company, and uh, David Lagana, who was in the company at the time, called and said, "You know, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I don't really know. You know, I mean, I don't know this guy at all." And he called me back and said, "I think you're going to be really surprised by this guy. I think we should give it an opportunity. I don't think we should just sort of just uh, you know take it off him and uh, and just kind of move on. I think there's more here." let me make this kind of docu-series, which became, of course, 10 pounds of gold. Um, and, and now that I've worked with Tim over four years, Tim's, you know, the leading color commentator along with Velvet Sky on our programming, uh, just super talented guy. And if you see Tim Storm, the wrestling character, that is Tim Storm, the human being. There's really no difference. He is, he is that guy. He is that genuine baby face. He really believes in mom and apple pie and, um, you know, he's a school teacher in real life, and he's just that guy. He is the rock uh, in many ways upon which the modern NWA is built. And we're so grateful to have Tim as part of our company, as part of our family. Uh, I can't imagine the NWA without him. So, uh, NWA 74, 
August 27, 28. Billy, I want to thank you so much for the time. I've, I've long wanted to do uh, this interview, and I appreciate you being so generous with your time ahead of NWA 74. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, um, to talk about it. You know, I love the company, and um, we're going. We're just going and going and going. So thanks, thanks for being part of that ride. As we, as we wrap up, the final question, how tired are you of people introducing themselves as smiling politely? You know, it never gets old. <laughs> really? You know, it's weird. Um, when it first started happening, he's, of course, referring to my, my uh, appearance on The Simpsons. By the way, the number one Simpsons episode of all time, something I, it's, I it's, it's pride a in. phenomenal episode. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it's crazy. Somebody told me this, and I was like, nah, you're kidding. It literally legitimately is the number one episode of all time. Uh, Homer Palooza. Um, when it first started happening, I thought, this is kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like, why are people keep coming up at, to me, talking to me like I'm in a Simpsons episode? 25 years on, maybe it's even more, 27. It's really yeah. cool. Um, it's the type of thing that you you realize in America is the, is the hallmark of celebrity, right? If you've been on Howard Stern, if you've been on David Letterman, if you were on Jay Leno, if you've been on Colbert, you've been on the cover of Rolling Stone, if you've been on The Simpsons, right? Heck, I was even a meme on The Family Guy, right? Yeah. If you if you reached all that, and in fact, recently was announced, I I, I, I saw it divulge somewhere because I didn't want to say anything. I'm actually going to be on an episode of The Muppets soon. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, right? So my point is, it's like, you, could, you, you can literally go down the street here where I live and tell somebody, yeah, you know, I'm playing Madison Square Garden. Yawn. They don't care. Hey, I'm playing the United Center. Yawn. I don't care. You know, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, the NWA is running the Chase Ballroom in St. Louis. Don't care. Hey, I was on The Simpsons. What? <laughs> it's one of those things that's guaranteed to get you over, to use the wrestling parlance. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm really grateful. Looking back, it's, it's such a cool experience, and uh, I'm happy to talk about it, and, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, forever, uh, you know, immortalized as, as a wrestling character. And I'll tell you one quick story that I like to tell about it. Uh, I just started shaving my head when they were doing the episode. Yeah. So I got this, I got this call from somebody, you know, working on the show and they said, okay, uh, we just got to ask you a question. Do you want hair or not? Do you not want to have hair? And I said, well, what's the scene you're asking about? <coughs> Excuse me. And they said, well, you're going to be in this scene with Homer Simpson. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. We both won't have hair. I'll tell you what, give me hair. Yeah. So, so that's probably the last time I had hair was uh, in the Simpsons. So there, there, there it is. I, I went to Universal, and my wife wanted to go to Harry Potter World, and I didn't get it. I didn't quite understand it. And then we went to the Simpsons leg of things, and I hadn't watched The Simpsons in a while, but I grew up watching it. And I understood. At that moment, when I saw a Krusty Burger, I was like, okay, I get it. I understand it now because uh, that's that's what it's about, man. <laughs> that's what it's about. But That's what I'm saying. Being, being part of that history is really cool. Um, one other quick thing, if you have a second. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was doing a deep dive watching Star Trek Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation, which was, of course, the Captain Picard uh, version of the series. So I, here I am watching every episode on Netflix or whatever. Right? I get to an episode. It's about the fourth to last one of the entire series after a hundred something episodes, and and they start talking about the planet Corgano, right? And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, Planet Corgano. So I, I go to Wikipedia, and little did I know that the, the planet is named after me in this, oh, wow. weird Star Trek, in this weird Star Trek episode, right? And I found out later that the guy who wrote the script uh, 
was was a pumpkins fan and so somewhere in the 90s there's this episode of star trek with pumpkins references right so um there's a guy that i'm trying to make a, a show with currently a, a tv show and he's known as one of the biggest star trek fans in the world right so i'm, I'm all proud i'm going to tell him this right like i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to brag hey did you know and he did not know and then he started laughing real funny and i go what and he goes well I hate to tell you this, but it's considered one of the worst Star Trek episodes oh, no. ever. <laughs> so I was simultaneously up and buried at the same time. Um, yeah, so I, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's, it's it's the very end of the of the Star Trek Next Generation thing. It's got something to do where it's like they get tinfoil on their face and, and they're on the planet Cordano. So that that's me. One of the worst Star Trek episodes, one of the best Simpsons episodes. We're We're going to aim... For a slightly above average fightful episode right here. As long as there we get go. slightly above average reception to this, I'll, I'll be happy. But, Billy, as, thank you so much. As long as it's not the most controversial. Oh, no, no. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, for the love of God, we used to have Vince Russo on in our early days. So, I mean, you just, Bro, bro. I got to tell you, bro. All the time. Have you bro. had much interaction <laughs> with him? You know, I love Vince. Uh, we became friendly for a while. Um, and then when I bought the NWA, I thought, oh, this is perfect. Vince is going to be in my ear all the time. And in the beginning, he was kind of publicly encouraging about it. I got a couple emails from him. And then for whatever reason, he just disappeared on me. So have not heard from Vince in years. Uh, love him. Love him as a person. Uh, can't say I completely understand him. Um, but uh, I agree. yeah, I, I, the thing, thing is about, let me say one nice thing about Vince, because I, I really, he, he's the sweet, and I'm sure you've met him behind the scenes. He's yeah, the sweetest guy in the world. He's just the sweetest guy in the world. Why he courts controversy <laughs> when he doesn't have to, why he kind of has to kick the, 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 the bee's nest um, is always beyond me. Because really, and I can say this sincerely, he's just, he's just the sweetest guy in the world. So maybe Vince just needs love. So Vince, if you hear this, lots of love to you and your family. I've always seen him, like when he's genuine, as an incredible media resource. Like he's he's got so much knowledge and he is a very creative and entertaining guy but i I think he knows his audience i think that's that's ultimately what it is he's cultivated that audience and he kind of knows it and embraces it well we're all tommy dreamer we're just working right yeah we've all got our pair of polka dot pants i guess but uh billy corgan nwa 74 hopefully we can we can do this again this was a blast no problem anytime thank you my friend until next time guys we're out When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.